Welcome back to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppe. I am joined by my counterpart at the Des Moines Register, Kennington Lloyd-Smith. Kenny, I should probably start off by congratulating you. It's a big day this week um, with your beloved Georgia Bulldogs winning against Alabama on Monday. Yeah, that was just like an incredible day. Um, It was my birthday that day. So the whole day, it was just like, this could either be the best day ever or send me into like a spiraling depression. So it was incredible to win. Um, It's really hard to put into words, honestly, like when Keely Ringo was taking that pick six back, like I probably got a noise complaint somewhere in my mailbox or in my email. (laughs) I was just screaming at the top of my lungs. My parents called me. (laughs) And we were just like yelling at each other back and forth on the phone. Like we're the best in the world. We won. We did it. And it was really, it was really emotional. Of course, you know, from the outside looking in, people look at Georgia from the context of, you know, Kirby Smart gets there. We've had all these close matches against Alabama, but my whole life as a Georgia fan has been traumatic. Even though we've had super talented rosters, we've put a lot of players into the NFL. We've caught tough breaks or had tough losses that go as far back at least 15 years that I can just roll off the top of my head. I'll save you the time because it could take an hour that will fill up all the painful breaks and all the heartbreaking losses that we've had over the years. But um, to see the team finally break through and break through that, that ceiling and the ultimate stigma that was around Georgia's program is, you know, the physical talent is there, but mentally, you know, can we overcome Alabama? Are we afraid of the boogeyman? Like, you know, can we can we finally get past that? So to, to break that stigma, to break that narrative, um, I honestly feel like, you know, we are about to walk into what is going to be the golden ages of, of our football program, which is pretty crazy because we've been, you know, of course, we've been successful. We won New Year's six games. But now to, to get that first national championship, I imagine that the momentum off of this is going to be um, incredible. So It's great to be a Georgia Bulldog. The year 2022 is off to an excellent start. And um, I can't wait to to see what happens next. And uh, thank you for having me on again. Yeah, absolutely. Now, they couldn't pull off the undefeated season, unlike my alma mater that had yet another (laughs) undefeated football season. But, you know, winning the CFP is not a bad consolation prize there. Yeah, not not at all. And the, the way that the way that we did it um, to, to lose the SEC championship and to see the disappointment and how it happened, there was a lot of Georgia fans that were not really looking forward to the playoffs because it just seemed like the classic story of, oh, this team is so good. We're finally going to do it. We fall on our face. And it's like, yeah, we'll beat Michigan. That was not a great matchup for, for Michigan. They're a great team, but just stylistically, they were they were overmatched in that game. So we were confident that we would win that game. But then it's like, okay, are we just going to beat Michigan and lose to Alabama again and walk away with, with no national championship? So to win the game and and to see kind of our wildest dreams, um, you know, come true. And I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, um, but me, of course, being tapped into UGA Twitter, there's just so many videos on timelines of people just like crying and falling on the floor you know, watching the the video, you know, the reaction videos and, and everything. So um, I shed a few tears myself. I'm not um, ashamed to admit that. Um, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have asked for it to happen, you know, in any other way. Like we knew it was going to have to, we were going to have to be Alabama to, to do it. So um, they can take the SEC championship and we'll walk away with the, with the big boy trophy. Well, one day you'll get the undefeated season, just like my alma mater always gets. But 
switching gears here a little bit to <laughs> Iowa before you can point out any flaws in my pointing out Marquette <laughs> football undefeated. So right. switching gears here, we got a little bit of news here with the 2022 Big Ten schedule adjustment. So now we know actually who Iowa will play when is more specifically the change. It worked out pretty well here for the Hawkeyes. First of all, I think the biggest thing that really jumps out at me at least is that by week moving from after the Ohio State game to before the Ohio State game, a little bit of a break there early in the season that I think is me much needed. Absolutely. When you look at what their original schedule was supposed to be, the first four games at Minnesota, Michigan, at Purdue, at Ohio State, then you have the bye week. That is about a tough of a four game stretch as you'll find in conference play period across any conference, any division, doesn't matter where you play those. I'm looking at potentially four ranked teams in a row. Honestly, we'll see where Minnesota and Purdue's preseason hype is, but that, you know, Purdue was a, was a team that, you know, they won eight or nine games. They played in a, in a pretty late December bowl game. Minnesota has, you know, a lot of momentum off of beating and Purdue, a team that really does not match up well for the Hawkeyes too. Exactly. Exactly. Road game, road game at, at Minnesota who, who had a big bowl win as well. So those are teams with momentum. We'll see how they're ranked. Obviously Michigan and Ohio state are going to be ranked and those are going to be tough games in their own right. So to have those four in a row before going into a bye week, you have to imagine that the team Going into that bye week would be pretty beat up because those are just going to be physical, tough games, some of the best teams in in the conference. So looking at it now, what they're going to have with um, at Rutgers, home against Michigan, at Illinois in the bye week, those are still going to be tough games, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. But you feel a lot better about having two weeks to prepare for Ohio State versus we just ran a gauntlet of three tough games. Now we have to play Ohio State. The bye week is right there. Um, you know, can we just get to, to just get to that point? So you have a chance to I'm looking at these that these first three games, um, I think all three games are winnable. Honestly, if you get two out of three, I feel like you'll feel good about it going into the bye week against Ohio State and then the rest of the of the Big Ten schedule. So they and definitely playing Michigan at home helps a lot, too. With right. That. Def, definitely. So we saw it the, can't the, go any worse. That's right. how it went from the Big Ten championship game. Right. And we saw the, the early October magic with the Penn State game. You have to imagine that Kinnick is going to be rocking at the same level of intensity, if not a higher level of intensity with that game, with the Big Ten Championship, with Michigan running up the score to get style points in the Big Ten Championship the, the way that they did. So to that game is going to be, is going to be huge. Um, and that's something that the fans are really going to have to embrace. And this is what I was going to say. Like We are talking about the good breaks. The bad break and the toughest break is – from September 24th to October 29th, you only get one home game, and that's the Michigan game. So a lot of time uh, away from, from home. Playing on the road is obviously tough, um, but those are some really tough road matchups. So um, that even, I think, takes the Michigan game into a higher level of importance if it is even possible for that game to be even more important. It's like we have one home game in a month. We have to win that game. It's going to be a long time to dwell on that one if you don't win against Michigan. Northwestern is going to be a long time there for that to stew in terms of the 
last time that you win at home. So I think this is really the marquee matchup and you compared it to Penn state and even the week it's one week off in comparison. Um, Michigan, October one, I think Penn state was October 9th. If I'm remembering correctly, I believe like even the same time of year. So that's the one that kind of jumps out at me as well. It's going to be a great game. Right. Definitely. And then, like I said, like the, I think the, the bad blood element as well, I don't think that Iowa and Penn State had any like super big bad blood going into that game. These are just two teams that played each other very closely. They've had tough matchups, um, but now, you know, obviously the next time that they play, um, mm-hmm. there's going to be a little bit added there, but um, you know, I likened it to this mission game just for the reasons that I said earlier, Big Ten championship foe, Michigan, obviously, um, accelerated when the game was well in hand, you know, trying to get a high seed in, in the college football playoff. Unfortunately, I was on the other end of, of that. So, you know, that's something that the players who were on last year's team who are going to return this year, um, they're going to remember that they're going to want to mark it on that calendar and have a similar showing to what happened in the Penn State game this year. And then it's going to be a cold end to the season, I think, with that Minnesota trip second last week. Are you ready? Do you have enough winter jackets for that? I I honestly don't don't know. Like, (laughs) what I'll say about the winter out here is, and this might sound crazy, when it's not windy outside, it's honestly not that unbearable. Like, when it's even sub-zero temperatures are in the single digits, if it's like calm wind, you know, I feel like I have what it takes to, to go out there in a jacket in my layers and feel okay. Wind chill, you know, forget about it. That's the, the true culprit. But going into Minnesota, you know, people, um, fans have been tweeting me, asking me, you know, good luck, saying good luck or sending me the, the cold face emojis. Uh, if it's like a blizzard or something, like I've ne- I haven't been in a blizzard yet. So when we, the last time it was like a foot of snow, we were in, we were in Orlando. So we came back to the snow. Yeah, uh, I haven't been in a situation where like I've been here and like I see it coming down for myself or I've had to drive in the snow or anything like that. So um, y'all probably have to get Chad to make that drive to Minnesota. So my um, anxiety <laughs> doesn't um, doesn't take over. Um, so I have to talk to him about that. But, you know, I hope, you know, a year from now, I'll be uh, much more acclimated to, to the Iowa cold than I am right now. And the Iowa roads is probably the even bigger part of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we came back from the Citrus Bowl, the roads were pretty clear. So yeah. um, I haven't um, had a chance to, to go out there and drive when the roads aren't as clear. I'm not trying to manifest that either. I hope that the good people of Iowa, if there's any people um, who, who are watching this podcast or watch this podcast who are responsible for paving the roads, let me be the first to tell you that you're doing a fantastic job. You need to <laughs> continue to, to do that great job um, to protect people like me who have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the roster for 2022, obviously a lot can change. There's still the transfer portal. That's not going away anytime soon. It has been interesting though to see who's, opting in who's opting out in terms of that extra year most notably getting Riley Moss back hard to really underscore enough how much having an experienced cornerback like Moss and you kind of wonder too what would have happened had he not had that injury there midway through the season he was on quite a roll before that yeah, he was definitely in line for, if not the, Thor- the Thorpe Award, he for sure would have been a finalist 
if he would have played a healthy year, maybe that missing that three, missing that three game stretch, um, you know, that could have included a matchup against Purdue with David Bell. They have marquee receivers over there. That was an opportunity that, that he missed to kind of showcase himself on that stage. So maybe there's some draft element there. Um, but honestly, I see him and even um, we don't know what Tyler Linderbaum is going to do yet, but I just see players like them, you know, the Charlie Jones, uh, who, if they're not from Iowa, just kind of like local-ish kids who like truly love the university, they've dreamed of playing for this university, and they just kind of, they want to ride that out for as long as, as they can. We wish them all good health and, and hope that the NFL is always something that's going to be there, but the time to play for Iowa right now is very short. So um, this whole one last ride, I kind of seeing that, you know, that could potentially be something that is a storyline going into next year. If we see, you know, the remaining players left in the pot um, decide to, to come back. So that's kind of my read uh, on the situation. But um, like you said, that's a huge, huge um, win for Iowa to have him back, especially because Dane Belton is going to the league. Um, we already knew Matt Hankins was going to go to the league. Jack Kerner announced as well. So they, you know, we're looking at a situation where Kayvon Merriweather could have been the only returning starter. If we look at, you know, true day one consistent starters, obviously yeah. I, I feel like we Not have the consider, injury throw in. Exactly. Starters. Exactly. I think at this point we can consider Jamari Harris a returning starter because of how many games he started at the end of the year, but like looking at the, what it would be without injuries that's pretty much the entire secondary that that will be moving on. So that's going to be huge to have Riley back. Um, I think it gives a little bit of position versatility back there, but you have to think that the cornerback position, even though you're losing somebody as talented as Matt Hankins, that the position is going to be as strong going into next year as it was this year. Oh yeah. When you have Moss, when you have Harris, you have, how could I not mention earlier, Terry Roberts, right? You know, those three right there, You'd probably order it as Moss, Roberts, Harris. You know, that's a pretty good trio right there. And Harris, when he was thrown in those first couple games, it looked like he was just hanging in there, but he really stepped up there throughout that last kind of final stretch of the season. And, you know, that goes a long ways going into a fresh season. And, you know, that's a pretty good foundation there. And maybe some of those injuries, the silver lining is going to be, Hey, now Jamari Harris has seen a little more experience. You've got other guys there who've seen a little more experience going into whatever this 2022 defense looks like. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And the thing about Jamari is kind of what you said. We, now we know what, what he is and what he is, is a legitimate, cornerback one mm-hmm. um probably wouldn't be if if Riley Moss stays outside um obviously he's going to be cornerback one but Jamari has that ability we saw it in the bowl game that was probably his, his best game um got the interception at the end of the game and one thing I'll say about Jamari Harris and what I'm looking forward to next year we got a chance to talk to him after the Citrus Bowl and he is um as engaging well-spoken um energetic insightful a player that we've spoken to um, which is saying a lot because we in Iowa media a lot of the players that we talk to pretty much every single player that we've talked to throughout the season is that exact same Mm -hmm. is that exact same way we kind of we had that golden gavel award we gave it to the player 
um, who's like most cooperative with the media, um, kind of exemplifies the principles. Honestly, there are at least 10 guys that I can think of off the top of my head that could have won that award. Yeah. Um, and if we got a chance to talk to Jamari throughout the year, he definitely would have been a consideration. I feel like he'll be in consideration next year. I feel like we're going to talk to him a lot. Um, so excited to for us to, to get to know him more, excited for the fans to see a lot more of him in our video interviews and just the quotes that we have from, from him throughout the season. And he seems very ready and willing to step into a leadership role next year, which is going to be needed because there's going to be a lot of young secondary players coming in, potentially some young secondary players forced into playing positions just depending on how things may may shake out. So he's definitely, um, you know, if we're looking or making a list of top players to watch or breakout stars on the team or just in the Big Ten, um, he's got to be near the top of that list. Yeah, especially when he gets an offseason where he's already, you know, I think going into this offseason, he wasn't really expecting to be thrown into this big of a role. Right. Now he's had that in-game experience. He can develop for an offseason. I'm really excited to see what he does. I'm also excited to see the offensive line. Because even if Tyler Linderbaum goes pro, um, and who would blame him for – going if he ends up doing that route projected first round pick and I think pretty much every single mock draft I think anybody who doesn't have Tyler Linderbaum in the first round needs to reevaluate why they're putting together mock drafts right but you know even if he's gone that's more experience on that line and I think that's gonna be a really interesting position group where it wasn't their greatest year in 2021 but it could turn into a strength again for the Iowa offense. And I think that would help too, because quarterback play has not been spectacular. And when you've got a good offensive line, that makes everything else a little better. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think that the offensive line, even without Nervom, you would have to assume or predict that they were going to take a step forward next year. And this is a group that, you know, we have to remember they got off to such a rocky start going into the year. You 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 had Cody Ince, who was um, kind of like a star of, of spring practice, somebody who the coaches said, this is someone who could play all five positions. You know, we might want to move him out to tackle. He had injuries, so that wasn't able to, to come into form. Um, you lose Kyler shot right before the season. Ince is still battling injuries. Justin Britt is battling injuries. Uh, Mason Richmond got got hurt towards the end of the year. You had Connor Colby, who during the kids day scrimmage was projected to play tackle. And then going into the season, now he's playing guard. And it was just kind of a a makeshift group. And it seemed like somebody who was playing high school football a year ago. Exactly. He was a a true freshman himself. So it, it kind of seemed like week by week, we just didn't know what offensive line we were going to see. I feel like as media members were in the press box, that was one of the first things that we tweeted every Saturday for pregame warmups. Like, okay, who's going to be the first, the first offensive line group, but Richmond is coming back um, at, at tackle. He's going to be strong. Obviously Connor Colby is extremely talented. We know he's going to, to take a step forward. Ince and Britt, if you can get them fully healthy and, and, and fully ready to go, then you know, you're going to be strong on, on the interior. And then there's some true freshmen that offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz told us about, um, you know, the David Davikoffs of, of the world and others, both, both Stevens of the world, who, um, who have made, who've made leaps in, in bowl practice. And you figure they're going to be in the mix as well. So there's a lot of talent 
on the offensive line. I feel like they're going to make a, a huge, you know, step forward. I feel like you could say the same about the defensive line. That, yeah. Those were the, um, the two groups that youngest, most inexperienced, um, and kind of had to go through those growing pains. It's frustrating for fans. Um, you know, that's something that maybe they don't want to hear week to week. Like, you know, it's a working progress, it's a working progress. They're trying to get better, trying to get better. But I think next year you'll see um, a lot more of those dividends um, from the, the work that was put in this past season. And the impressive thing with the defensive line, too, is when you look at it statistically, you know, it wasn't a bad year for them. You know, Mm -hmm. they had a good job getting to the quarterback. They had a good job stopping the run game. It just wasn't quite up to maybe what they've been in past years. So, you know, you get a lot of those people back. Obviously, you don't get Zach Van Valkenburg back, but you get a lot of those guys back and back on the offensive line, Cody Ince. You know, I was really impressed with the block he made on that Laporta screen pass play where that really stood out to me. Like, wow, okay, this guy fully healthy, you know, he can play some good football on the line. So it'll be an interesting area at the line of scrimmage for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and then to go into the defensive line, this is a group that played almost like nine players at their fullest strength um i know fullest is a word but you know what i'm trying to say at full yeah. tilt they played reinvent know, words here right exactly exactly uh, this is your podcast you can make the rules so fullest <laughs> is a word uh, on this podcast but at full tilt they played almost you know nine ten players we didn't even count logan jones who um we know is talented in a, in a weight room maven um, but he's just battled injuries so you're going to get him back uh, along the defensive line as well so that group, you're going to have veteran leadership on, on the line. You're going to have Noah Shannon, who's going to be um, a senior, I believe, Joe Evans, John Wagner, who are going to be seniors, I believe, mm-hmm. next year. So you're going to have and them. Lucas Van Ness, who's Lucas still Van, young. Right. Lucas Van Ness is young. Logan Jones is young. Y.A. Black, young. Devon, Deontay Craig, young. So you have a lot of, of youth and talent along with veteran experience. Um, so I imagine the, the lines of play is going to be uh, much improved. But it kind of goes back to the first question. The first thing that we talked about is like better team, much more difficult schedule. So it's going to be kind of interesting to weigh how we view the team or how the season unfolds with what we've been talking about um, in terms of the roster and how optimistic fans should should be about the roster, which I feel like they should. I feel like Mm -hmm. they're. At pretty much, you know, almost every position, you feel like they're going to take some type of, of step forward. There's going to be questions and others running back. Obviously, you're losing a three-year starter. We don't know what's going to happen with quarterback. Um, but everywhere else, you feel like, you know, we have definitive answers or we kind of know in the direction of where we're going. But they're playing a much difficult schedule yeah. also. And even at running back, the two Williams really impressed. So you've got that. There's some reason for optimism, granted, with a very, very small sample size with just one game in the Citrus Bowl. But yeah, you know, you point out the difficulty of the schedule. Five and two was this year in Big Ten play in the regular season. And I think people will be beyond thrilled uh, maybe i'll make up a word here i can't even think of a word to make up here. <laughs> but something eight times above thrilled if they go five and two this year because that schedule michigan is no cakewalk 
Um, neither is Ohio State. And then you still have the same pesky teams. You've got Purdue that beat Iowa pretty handily. You've got Wisconsin that beat Iowa pretty handily this year. And, you know, Nebraska, who knows what they're going to do, but they almost, it looked for a half like they were going to beat Iowa pretty handily. Yeah. And then, you know, Nebraska, you know, they're bringing in Casey Thompson from, from Texas. So they're trying to ramp up via the portal. Um, so I mean, there's a chance that we're going to see teams next year that maybe look different, maybe more talented than the teams that we saw Iowa play um, this year. And, and that's an, an interesting point. When I first looked at the schedule for this year, what I did was I kind of put the teams in, in tiers of these are the games that Iowa should win outright. These are the games that it could go either way that you you would hope to 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 split and then there are just like literal toss-ups when i'm looking at this year's big 10 slate i mean a lot of these games i mean there are games that you know you feel like i was going to be favored in i think illinois is going to be one they're going to be favored in. i think they'll be favored in, in the Rutgers game i think they'll be favored in the northwestern game um but the even still the teams those are teams not Rutgers, but illinois and, and Northwestern, they played this year, and those games were close. Uh, we talked about this before we actually started recording that. Yeah. These, you know, the way that Iowa plays, and you're not really going to have the offense, at least if we're looking at it, let's say we take the same offensive philosophy and maybe their scoring prowess from this year's team and you apply it to next year with the same defense, they're going to be a good team. But with that style of play, you're really not going to blow a lot of teams out unless it's just something like a Maryland game where the defense is forcing a lot of turnovers, setting the offense up, et cetera. So these are going to be, um, you know, close games, tough games, pretty much all, all the way down the, the slate. So to come out with the same record that they had last year, I think would be extremely impressive. And you feel like that record, would give you an opportunity to win the division title again. Um, it's going to be tough down the stretch, but I think that if there's a silver lining outside of Ohio State and Purdue, uh, you know, a lot of these, the big, big 10 games like the Michigans, Wisconsin, Nebraska down the stretch are going to be huge games for, for big 10 play. Those are at home. So yeah, got to rely a on favorable draw there to get. Now you're not going to get both Michigan and Ohio State most likely but to get one of those I mean that helps you out Wisconsin helps you out Nebraska at the end of the year helps you out so I certainly won't mind not doing the Thanksgiving drive over to Lincoln this year so yeah 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 yeah, it's a good draw there for you know there are gonna be some competitive games at Kinnick in 2022 right and then for the fans um to not have a lot of home games in the part of the year where it's best to be outside um, or I don't want to say best to be outside, but you most comfortable uh, to be most outside. Comfortable, most, yes. Most comfortable. Like from what I, you know, of course um, people who are from here or from the Midwest in general, they do not mind going out in, in cold weather, but in the peak of fall season this year, where there were a lot of home games in the beginning, just kind of going out, getting a chance to, to take in the atmosphere and just see um, how strong the tailgate culture is. There's not going to be a lot of that next year just because of how the schedule shook. But towards the end of the year, excuse me, towards the end of the year where you have a lot of crucial games, that home field advantage can come into play down the stretch um, and hopefully, um, you know, lift 
the the team to to having some big wins down the stretch. Um, at least that's you know the hope of the fans and the players and coaches, of course. Yeah, anyone who is grilling out burgers, I'm sure people will, but anybody who's grilling out burgers in November, I give you extra kudos there with that. Some of those late games could be a little toasty. Granted, this year was unseasonably warm, but yeah, I wouldn't bet on that happening every year. So yeah, it's not the greatest home schedule here for your hot dog brat burger perusing in the parking lot right right all right you know it's funny you see sometimes the bowl scouts go out and kind of circle the stadium see the sights like i don't think if the citrus bowl scouts are at kinnick this year they're gonna be too eager to (laughs) venture around the stadium and you know cold maybe close to zero temperatures right we'll see how much their florida skin can thicken by game time exactly exactly well you know for the fans i'm sure you know if you pulled you know the fans that you know would you rather have a lot of home games at the beginning of the season or you can back load the schedule with home games and potentially be the difference in winning a division title or not i'm sure they would would take the latter so um not ideal for the fans but um you know if it turns out the the way at the end of the year, maybe similar this year, where, where Iowa can secure a Big Ten championship in the last week of the season, last two weeks of the season, home game maybe. Fans might have had something to do with it. We've seen the fans cause false stars, cause confusion on offenses. Um, I imagine that they're going to continue to do that um, next year. And it's kind of like what you said earlier about the the North. It's a long time until that Northwestern game. You got to imagine that the fans are just going to be itching to get back into the stadium, and that's just going to create a lot more ruckus in the stadium and more rowdy crowds, just because I haven't been there in, in so long. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be a fun year ahead. My biggest question for this off season is quarterback. I'm not sure if that's the same for you or if you have another one. I think it's just the the direction of the offense in, in general, but the quarterback being the most position, the most important position, it has to, to start there. Yeah, because the quarterback play this year, whether it's Peterson, whether it's Padilla in, that most years is not going to win you a Big Ten West title. It wouldn't with this schedule, that's for sure. Right. So you're right. I think that with the when we're looking at the offense, you know, the the three things or the Maybe you can even lump in two of these things, but obviously what happens at offensive coordinator and what happens at quarterback is going to um, maybe define the offseason energy uh, from maybe like fans or or media perspective going into the year. The way that I look at it is, and I am new to the area, so I am not as tapped into the nuances of the football program as the fans are who who have watched this team for for years. But I have gotten the sense that they are not confident that anything is going to change on the offense. I push back on that a little bit just because of, I understand stubbornness and that's something that I've had to deal with as a Georgia fan when we've had a more traditional offense and we just switched to a spread uh, before last season. And I didn't think that that was going to happen. And it did because at the end of the day, like these coaches are not blind. They see what's happening. You can't change your scheme 
in season. And at least to me, what I got from this year is it seemed to me that every game I will play past a certain point was what can we do offensively to win this game at this time? And we're just going to do the same thing every week. Like we saw some wrinkles of the offense in one week that, that worked well. And then we wouldn't see those wrinkles again. They went to another strategy in, in another game. So I said all that to say going into the off season, if we're looking at getting a quarterback out of the transfer portal, um, finding a new offensive coordinator or changing the philosophy. I don't think all of those will happen, but I feel like at least one of those things is going to, to happen. I think that the most likely is changing the philosophy. Um, that one's the one that doesn't require not any, having another right. appearance in the building. Right. Exactly. So exactly. So if, uh, Brian Ferentz is a, he's a young, he's young. He's in his thirties. I believe he is not incapable of changing the scheme and adding fresh ideas, but ultimately that's going to come from the top. So if you feel that he is the person that can engineer some change, then I would not have a problem bringing the same offensive staff back, staff back with a newer philosophy. They could bring in maybe a co-offensive coordinator. And we saw Michigan do this with Josh Gaddis, who was the Boyles award winner for top assistant of the year. LSU did this with Joe Brady. They won a national championship. So I'm not saying that that type of change would propel Iowa to a national championship level or a playoff team level, but there there's nothing wrong with, and it has actually become very commonplace to bring in a co-offensive coordinator to kind of, re-engineer some things, take over the play calling. Brian can still stay on staff. Um, I believe Iowa is full in terms of assist, full-time assistance. So I don't know what would have to take place in order for, for that to happen. I'm not advocating for you know, anybody losing their, their job or anything like that. Um, but you know what, I'm, but you know what yeah. I mean? There's going to have to be some shuffling around for that type of thing to happen. I feel like that's probably the most... Um, likely intangible outcome if they are going to to change anything offensively well it'll be a fascinating next couple months kenny thanks again for joining the hawk off the press hawk off the press podcast words are hard for me now in the off season so right. yeah i understand we're not getting uh we're not getting the same reps that, that we've been getting um you know in the season but you know yeah that all is- that turbulence and the fight back you know just um, Threw oh, off my game. Right. If anybody has um, seen the show Manifest on Netflix, <laughs> that is legit what the flight home felt like. Um, <laughs> uh, and if people, if, if you've never, if you've never seen the show Manifest, literally just type it in on YouTube. I'm sure it'll pop up the first link. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It was chaotic. It was chaotic to, to say the least. Yes. I may have had a few gestures over in Kenny's direction during that flight so we made it back though in one piece more or less on time a little delayed but right yes right. it's a new experience absolutely absolutely we're here now um you know the the month of january starting we're halfway through now we're you know as we start to get into february it's gonna start feeling like okay football season starting to approach again late signing day um, you know, spring practice will be right around the corner. So, you know, we'll get back into our, our midseason form um, soon enough. And I can't wait. Like, first year was really fun. It flew right by. So I'm ready to just die back in and um, and continue to do good work. Yeah. And first full year for me, jumping in right. way through. So. Right. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, certainly an interesting first year. And, you know, I think it's one that a lot of fans are satisfied with. I put out a Twitter poll. Do you, did this season exceed expectations, meet expectations, or did not meet expectations? And 87% said either meet or exceed. So, you know, obviously you would have liked to win the bowl game, but, you know, a 10-win season doesn't happen every day, and it happened this year. So a lot to for Iowa fans to hang their hats on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Historic season is the only way to describe what 2021 was. Obviously, it didn't end the way that fans wanted it to. But like you said, if you would have told fans before this past season, I was going to win 10 games, would you take it? They would have 10 out of 10 times. You, you, you would oh, take yeah. a 10 win season. So the way that it happened, maybe not ideal. Some of the wins that they had maybe lost luster because the other team that they beat didn't follow through the rest of the season. That doesn't have anything. Cough, cough, Penn State. Cough, right. Cough. That, that doesn't have anything to do with Iowa, though. And that shouldn't take away from the magnitude of that win at that time. The fact that Penn State finished the season seven and six or whatever is not take away from the fact that at that moment, it was a top four matchup. It was one of the biggest games, uh, the game of the century, um, people were calling it, and, and they won that game. Like, you have to you have to look at it from, from that lens of what it meant at that time. Iowa State didn't have the season that they were expecting to have, but that was the seventh straight win over your rival you brought home the trophy that was an on the road top 10 win to kind of maintain the dominance in state so though you kind of have to look at it from from that type of wins when, when characterizing what this season meant so you know 10 wins um you know for the 13 percent i understand maybe why they, they would say it didn't meet expectations but uh you know that's something to to not turn your nose up at because that's you know that doesn't happen often at many programs across no across the country um you know not just a, a school like iowa it's, it's tough to reach that mark and maybe it's easy to look at the georgias and the bamas and the ohio states and just like oh that's just supposed to happen like that's not that's not commonplace well kenny thanks again for joining the pod absolutely thank you for having me and thanks again to our listeners for listening to another episode of the hawk off the press podcast until later until next week we will talk hawks later